0: Hallelujah. So if you would be so kind to find 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 1. Most of you who are Bible scholars, you hear 1 Corinthians 13 and you think, oh, he's going to the love chapter. Amen. And I, I am going to the love chapter just for a moment because this is kind of where we left off last time. Amen. This is where we're going to launch out. I hope you're ready. Amen. I hope you have room for some spiritual food. All right, let's read. I read today in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. And the word of the Lord says it So, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, which is another word for love, I am become, what, as sounding brass or a tingling cymbal. Next verse. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. I want you to hear that again. And though I have the gift of prophecy. And understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith, wow, so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. Read the next one. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, all my goods. If I give everything I got to the poor, that's something. And though I give my body to be burned, martyr for Christ. And have not love, it profits me nothing. Wow. All those amazing spiritual gifts are fruitless activity. Listen to me fruitless activity without love, which is the first fruit of the Spirit in your Bible. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, minister in this house, add blessing to your word in a mighty and in a powerful way, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Watch this. Basically, what I'm saying is this. The greatest motivator for New Testament prophecy is not correction and is not judgment. It is love. I said the greatest motivator for New Testament prophecy is not correction, it's not judgment, it is love. If you are talking about how you operate uh, in a prophetic gift, but you hate so-and-so, you're making a horrible sound in the house. God help me in here. If if you are going to someone else with all the details on someone else's life, but you are not loving them, you are making a horrible sound in the house. The text says it doesn't matter if you are operating in all nine gifts of the Holy Spirit if you don't have love. You see, in other words, there needs to be a balance between your gifting and your fruit. As a matter of fact, the Bible never said that you are going to be known by your gift. The Bible said you will be known by your fruit. Oh, God. So watch this. There needs to be a balance between your gift and your fruit. And so as your gift goes up, your fruit should come up with it. You know, if I had time, I would take you to the Old Testament priest garb. I've talked to you about it in the past where at the bottom of the priest garments, hallelujah, there were bells and pomegranates. And the thing that's amazing about the garb is that God was specific. Watch this. One bell, one pomegranate. One bell, one pomegranate. One bell, one pomegranate. The bell represents the noise. The, the bell represents the gift. It's, it's showy. It's shiny. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's up front. Hallelujah. And then the pomegranate represents the fruit. So watch God. One gift, one fruit. Gift, fruit. Gift, Fruit, No bell, bell, bell. Because if all you got is bell, bell, bell and no fruit, according to the text, you are nothing but an annoying sound in the house. And if your life is a life where you are using your gifts but you are not bearing fruit, it is an activity, hallelujah, that is fruitful. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In this place, hallelujah. It is like sounding brass and clanging cymbals. And the last time we were here, I had somebody get up on the drums and make that awful sound. Amen? You can't be operating in spiritual gifts, hallelujah, and then not loving on people. Those sounding brass and clanging sounds, that's what gossip sounds like to God. Are you in this place, church? Church? Amen. I I believe it was Hector Hector Ciaris, the evangelist, uh, on one of the revival nights who said, that ain't prophetic. That's pathetic. You remember that? Hallelujah. Show me 1 Corinthians 14 and 5. 1 Corinthians 14 and 5. I want to talk to you about the prophetic a little bit. I want to show you why it's so important. 1 Corinthians 14 and 5. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse number 5. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Listen to what it says, saints, uh, I would that ye all speak with tongues. this is the Apostle Paul talking hallelujah. I would that you all speak or spake with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied for greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying listen to what God is saying in this text hallelujah I would I would that all of you would speak in tongues but rather than that I would that all of you would prophesy so that the church hallelujah would be edified I'm trying to tell you that Paul put a tremendous emphasis on the church uh desiring the prophetic are you in this place so far Amen. Hallelujah. Now watch this. Show me Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 21. I'm going to show you some scripture on today. I hope that's all right. We came to teach. Watch this. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 21. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. In other words, prophecy didn't uh, find its origin with man. Amen? Uh, But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. I like the the NIV, even though they're here, hallelujah, they spake as they were inspired or moved by the Holy Spirit. I'm just laying down some groundwork right now, hallelujah, just to remind you, hallelujah, that, that prophecy did not begin with the will of man, but it began with the voice of God coming through men. Amen, somebody. Show me Revelations 19 and 10. Let me just get these out of the way. Revelation 19 and 10. Revelation 19 and 10. Glory to God. Listen to what it says. Revelation 19 and 10. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, see thou do it not. This was an angel, hallelujah. And uh, the angel told the man of God, no, get up. Don't worship me. I am thy fellow servant. And of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus, worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is what, saints? It is the spirit of prophecy. So let me just submit to you that in its purest form, prophecy is proclaiming God's truth in its purest form. And if you are proclaiming the truth of God, you are, watch this, operating on a base realm of the prophetic, I'm, what I'm saying is that there's more to it. But if you're proclaiming truth, you are operating on a base realm of the prophetic. Now, let me give you a definition. Let's, 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 give, let's talk about what is prophecy. Let me give you some definitions that I think are powerful concerning prophecy. Hallelujah. Here's the first one. Are you ready? Prophecy is divine possibilities that through faith and patience transform into divine probabilities which through obedience become divine realities. Now that's a little long, amen? I'm going to say it one more time, okay? Prophecy is divine possibilities that through faith and patience transform into divine probabilities which through obedience, this is key right there, through obedience become divine realities. And, and I know that sounds a little long, hallelujah, but I need to say that and I need to be clear because some of us automatically assume that, that we have this ideology that says if God said it, that settles it. And we say that a lot. If God said it, that settles it. Uh, but we fail to realize that there is a human responsibility, And we fail to realize that oftentimes, even when a prophetic word is released, hallelujah, if it's released unto you, you're supposed to take that prophetic word and you're supposed to cultivate that word. You're supposed to steward over that word. In other words, when revelation is revealed, there is human responsibility that is required on your part with that revelation, I'm going to talk more about that in a moment. But I guess what I'm trying to say is this, prophecy is not always divine inevitabilities. In other words, it's not just going to happen uh, because God willed it. There is a human duty behind it if it's going to come to pass. Are you in this place so far? Prophecy is powerful. I said prophecy is powerful. The first thing I want to tell you, put it up on the screen, my first, my first point on today, hallelujah, uh, is this. Prophecy brings change. Prophecy brings change. Prophecy will change your life. I said the prophetic will change a person's whole life. Amen, somebody? Let me show you what I'm talking about. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse number 5. 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse number 5. We're talking about uh, Saul, who becomes King Saul. Amen? Uh, He is the first king of Israel. Hallelujah. And Samuel comes to King Saul. Hallelujah. And I want you to notice what happens in his life. And I want to show you that this was necessary for life change. Amen, somebody? So watch this. Uh, I don't want to read 1 through 4. Samuel is giving him instructions. And one of the final instructions that he gives him is this one right here. He says... After that, after that thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines, and it shall come to pass, when thou art come thither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of, what? Prophets coming down from the high place. Coming from high place, huh? Hallelujah, Jesus. Coming from the high place with a salt tree and a tabret and a pipe and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy. Next verse. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shall be turned, watch this now, into another man. Oh, God help me in here. In other words, God help me in here. In other words, after you come in contact with the prophetic, you are not going to be the same. In other words, I like the the NIV because the NIV says this, you will be changed into a totally different person. Let's read the rest of that. Hallelujah. Show me the rest real quick. Show me verse 7. And let it be when these signs are come unto thee that thou do as occasion serve thee for God is with thee. Next verse. And thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto thee to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days shalt thou tarry till I come to thee and show thee what thou shalt do. And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. My God, all this after a prophetic experience. Watch this. God gave him another heart, and all those signs came to pass that day. And when they came thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. Are you hearing me in this place? I want to speak to you, hallelujah, and just remind you that the prophetic, it's not just important, it has the power to bring change, it has the power in this case to change a life. Let me give you another example, we won't go to it for the sake of time, but I could take you to the book of John, the fourth chapter, and you know the story about the woman at the well. Most of you are familiar with this story, we preach on this a lot, hallelujah. She's having a dialogue with Jesus Christ about water, but it's really not about water, it's deeper than that, amen, she's longing for something, she's thirsty, hallelujah, and God has what she needs and so watch this she's having a dialogue with him hallelujah but but the dialogue doesn't shift until the prophetic is activated in other words it's not until Jesus tells this woman go get your husband and the woman says these words "Uh, I don't have a husband and Jesus said well you have said correctly because you have had five husbands and the one that you're with right now is not your husband and so listen to her words I perceive that thou art a prophet. <laughs> I perceive that thou art a prophet. Amen? And, 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 and it's funny to me because uh, just like this woman, we often take what is a word of knowledge because I'm going to submit to you that what he just gave her was not necessarily a prophecy. It was what we refer to in scripture as a word of knowledge. Oh, boy. I don't have time to get into that today. That's another day. But that was a word of knowledge where God gives... Uh, him information about her that only she knows are you hearing what i'm saying and she is blown away because in in order to determine what is a word of knowledge what is a word of wisdom or what is prophecy understand this prophecy is always going to be pointing towards your destiny Uh, i said any prophetic word that comes it's always going to be speaking about destiny right now hallelujah he's just dealing with her past So he gives her a word of knowledge, but we often make the same mistake to just just throw it under the umbrella of the prophetic, hallelujah. And it's okay because he's going to keep talking to her. And as he keeps talking to her, he tells her basically, hallelujah. And this is where he starts getting prophetic is when he tells her, hallelujah, I am that water that you're looking for. And if you drink from this well, you're going to thirst again. But if you drink from the water that I have, you will never you will never thirst again, but that water will spring up from within you unto everlasting life. Now he's talking about her destiny. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But what I'm trying to get at is that her life shifts when the prophetic is activated. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? If you're with me so far, I shout glory. glory. Amen. Let me give you some more definitions of prophecy, just in case that first one wasn't enough. Amen? Here it is. Prophecy is communicating unseen realities in a seen world. I said prophecy is communicating unseen realities in a seen world. In other words, it's, it's talking about unprepared, oh wait, I'm sorry, unseen prepared things that haven't manifested yet. Unseen Is this too deep? It's Wednesday, right? Unseen prepared things that have not manifested yet. Let me give you another one. Let me give you a simpler one. Prophecy is a gift from God that points us to destiny. Prophecy is a gift from God that points us to destiny. Watch this. Prophecy is an invitation to the unseen. It is an invitation to the divine. Are you in this place? It is an invitation to things not yet revealed. But everything has already been revealed. Really? Just because it's there don't mean you saw it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Just because it's there doesn't mean that he has pulled the curtain on it so that you can see it. Oh, God, have mercy on me. Listen, show me Revelations 2 and 17. Let me put some substance under that very quickly. Revelations 2 and 17. Sometimes God hides information. Y'all don't believe me. Okay. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh. Will I give to eat of the what? Hidden manna. I have food that's hidden. My God. And, and that food is tailor-made for overcomers. To him that overcometh, I will give, listen to what it says, to eat of the hidden manna. I have stuff, hallelujah, that I haven't pulled the curtain on yet. I'm telling you that God will oftentimes hide stuff. Watch this. He do- Can I help you in here? He doesn't hide it from us. He hides it for us. Let me say that one more time. I say he doesn't hide it from us. He hides it for us. It's like, you know how sometimes we do on a resurrection Sunday, we'll take the kids outside and we'll do an Easter egg hunt. Amen. We'll do an Easter egg hunt. Here's what we do. We go out there and we put the eggs out there before they ever show up. Before the kids, help, just stay with me for a minute. I'm going somewhere. Before the kids come on the scene, we hide them. Now, we don't hide them from the kids. We hide them for the kids. in, In other words, we don't hide them so good that we don't want the kids to find them. But we hide them in a place we know eventually they will find them. God, help me in here. So so that then we could just sit back, hallelujah, as parents, watch this, and enjoy them as they enjoy themselves. Search those things out and find them. God, help me in here. So your God has, watch this, food that is hidden. Watch this, that he prepared before you ever came on the scene. My God, uh, he's such a preparer. He prepared before you were even born. Before you ever came on the scene, he hid these things, not from you, but for you, so that he can enjoy himself watching you enjoy yourself, searching these things out and finding them in your life. Are you in this place, church? That's the kind of God, hallelujah, that you serve. Amen, somebody. Woo! <claps> hallelujah. The Bible's challenge, watch this, is desire spiritual gifts. The apostle Paul said desire. When was the last time you prayed for spiritual gifts? I know we got a list of things that we pray about, but when was the last time you said, God, bless me with spiritual gifts? When was the last time you prayed, God, give me the spirit of healing? God, give me the gift of healing. God, give me the gift of prophecy. God, give me the gift of faith. Hallelujah. Give me the gift of word of knowledge. Give me the the, the gift, hallelujah, of word of wisdom. Give me the gift of speaking in tongues, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. Give me the gifts. He said desire the gifts. Let me show you something. Let me show you something. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 14.1. I'm going to make you guys work today. 1 Corinthians 14 and 1. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. Listen, listen, listen. Oh, and here goes, here goes that fruit again, just in case you missed it last time. Follow after charity, which means pursue love first, and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye prophesy. In other words, watch this. Number one, pursue love. Desire spiritual gifts, but out of all the gifts, the one you ought to desire the most is prophecy. Are you in this place, church? Watch this. So let me repeat this. Prophecy is an invitation. It's not the destination, it is the invitation. It is an access point. Amen, somebody. Let me give you the Greek word, and I don't speak Greek, so help me God. Prophecy in the Greek is propheteo. Propheteo. Someone sounds Spanish. To speak forth by divine inspiration. Amen. That's prophecy. I've given you like four different definitions already. Hallelujah. So now that we've talked a little bit about what prophecy is, let's talk about the purpose of prophecy. The purpose of prophecy. Because if you don't understand the purpose of a thing, then abuse is inevitable. Those are the words of the late Dr. Miles Monroe. If you don't understand the purpose of a thing, then abuse is inevitable. If you don't understand its purpose and you operate in it, you are going to abuse it. Because you don't know what it is for. Are you in this place? So let me start from an Old Testament perspective. Watch this. In the Old Testament, prophecy came through the office of the prophet. It's what we refer to as the office of of the prophet hallelujah or what the old testament also mentions as the school of the prophets which was a school of those that were being trained to be prophets are you hearing what i'm saying in here hallelujah jesus in the old testament uh prophecy's primary role was watch this now correction and judgment correction and judgment but in the New Testament, the primary role shifts because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Because, watch this, God unleashed his wrath on the cross, watch this now, on Golgotha's hill, and the Bible declares that Jesus' blood satisfied the wrath of God, then the primary role for prophecy today is not Judgment or correction necessarily but the primary role is edification and if you read first corinthians 14 you're going to find it all over the place as paul addresses it amen it's not that god cannot give you a word of correction for someone it's not that god cannot warn somebody about some impending judgment but the primary role is no longer that. The primary role now is inspiration and edification. And can I just submit to you that edification or to edify means to build. Edify means to build. It is a construction word. When you are constructing something, you are bringing it to its completion. You are bringing it to its Fulfillment. So understand the power, hallelujah, of a prophetic voice or a prophetic word. It helps to build or bring you to completion. Are you blessed in here? Hallelujah, Jesus. Watch this. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come down and on the prophet. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Spirit of God didn't dwell in us. In the Old Testament so watch this it would come down and on the prophet in the New Testament it comes up and through in the Old Testament it came down and on in the New Testament it comes up and through are you in this place church hallelujah amen are you blessed so far so watch this the purpose is to strengthen encourage Edify and comfort. Strengthen, encourage, edify, and comfort. It's coming to bring something closer to its fulfillment. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's building you. Are you blessed in here? The opposite of that is to tear down and to destroy. And you can do that with words too. So prophecy, watch this, are words that come to build up and to get you closer to a fulfillment or to your fulfillment. But if you use that incorrectly, you can use words to tear people down and bring them to destruction. That's what your adversary, the devil, is about. Amen. Hallelujah. Which leads me, I don't even know if I gave you my second point. Did I give you my second point? Hallelujah, Jesus. Let me give you my second point real quick. I went ahead of myself. Put my second point up there so that I don't leave it out. Prophecy brings closure. Prophecy brings closure. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 15. 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 15. Hallelujah. I want to help you. Watch this. This is talking about King Saul again. Amen. Hallelujah. I kind of left him, but I needed to stay with him a little longer. And they went up into the city. And when they were come into the city, behold, Samuel came out against them for to go up to the high place. There it goes, high place again. Before I read the rest of this text, let me just submit to you that King Saul was out looking for his father's donkeys. His father's donkeys were lost, and he was on a mission to try to find them. So he's looking everywhere. He's looked here. He's looked there. He has not found them anywhere. So watch this. He tells the person that's with him, or the person with him tells him, I know a man of God. Who knows all things and everything he says is true. Let's go unto him. And I'm amazed that King Saul, as a young man, tells the other man, Yeah, but we don't have nothing to give him and we can't go to him empty handed. It's amazing. Hallelujah. How how they understood back then that if you're going to get something, you'll order. Hallelujah. It's where I lose people all the time. Watch this. Hallelujah. So he said, We can't go over there without giving him something. But the young lad that was with him said, You know what? I have a little something. and we'll give it to him, hallelujah, and he will tell us where the donkeys are. This is where the story kind of takes off. And they went up into the city, and when they were come into the city, behold, Samuel came out against them for to go up to the high place. Next verse. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear. Don't you love that right there? God will speak in your ear. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came. My God, saying tomorrow about this time I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin and thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people Israel, that he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines, for I have looked upon my people because their cry is come unto me. Next verse. And when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said unto him, behold the man whom I spake to thee of. God is so good he makes sure. That's him right there. This same shall reign over my people. Next verse. Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, Tell me, I pray thee, where the seer's house is? In those days, the prophet would be called the seer. uh, Because they saw things that other people didn't see. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Where is the seer? And Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me unto the high place, for ye shall eat with me today and tomorrow I will let thee go and will tell thee all that is in thy heart. Don't go nowhere yet, stay right there. And tomorrow I will let thee go and will tell thee all that is in thy heart. Now, here's what you have to understand Saul is worried because he can't find the donkeys and he needs to get back because if he don't get back, his father's gonna start worrying about him. And so to himself, he's probably thinking, I can't wait till tomorrow. (laughs) Because he just told him, tarry with me until tomorrow, and then I'll give you all the answers you need. But Saul's probably thinking, I can't wait till tomorrow. I need to find these donkeys today. Amen. But look, he doesn't even ask the man of God. Look at the next verse. And as for thy donkeys. This is the man of God talking. And as for thy donkeys that were lost three days ago. Set not thy mind on them. In other words, God show me you're concerned about them. He didn't even ask him yet. He's, you catch what I'm telling you. Saul didn't ask the prophet, where are the donkeys? God had already told Saul that that was a concern on his mind. And he said, and as for the donkeys that were lost three days ago. Set not thy mind on them. For they are found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on thee and on all thy father's house? And he told them that tomorrow you're going to be in charge of all the wealth of Israel. That's what the text goes on to say. But I want you to see how uh, prophecy brought closure to him to ease his mind so that he can then become Everything that God was calling him to become, he was so concerned with the donkeys, the man of God, give us him a word before he can even ask concerning how they were found, and he doesn 't need to be thinking about that anymore and so the prophetic came and brought closure to the man of God, and sometimes you need closure in one area so that you can get up and start over in another area. Are you hearing what i 'm saying? in this place and the prophetic came and brought closure it'll change your life it'll bring closure now let me go to the next thing I wanted to say put my third point up there real quick you guys doing all right I'm trying to go prophecy means process oh boy prophecy means process hallelujah Mm. amen somebody the prophetic word motivates one to activate God's divine process. I said the prophetic word motivates one to activate God's divine prophet. Let me, show you, let me show you this in scripture. You ready for a little more scripture? All right. Hallelujah. Watch this. Ezekiel 37 and verse number one. Ezekiel 37. I don't know how far I'm going to get, but I'm going to go until the clock says stop. And it's moving very fast. Amen. Hallelujah. Ezekiel 37 and verse number one. Hallelujah. All right, listen to this very carefully. I'm going to show you something very powerful in this text. Amen. The hand of the Lord was upon me. This is Ezekiel talking. And carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. Next verse. And caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very Dry, there was a lot of bones and they were very dry. Next verse, and he said unto me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest, only you know God. Again, he said unto me, watch this now, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Next verse. Watch this now. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise. Yeah, underline that word, noise. And behold, a shaking. Underline that word, shaking. And the bones came together. Underline, came together. Amen. Bone to his bone. Now, I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to read a couple more verses, but I'm going to come back to verse 8. Show me verse 9. Then said he unto me, prophesy to the wind. You know, sometimes you need more than one word. I said, sometimes you're going to need more than one word. Amen. Here's what the Bible says. We prophesy in part and we know in part. So whether you're the one speaking or you're the recipient that's receiving the word, watch this. You either receive in part or you know in part. In other words, watch this. You give it in part and you receive it in part. And oftentimes, hallelujah, you ought not get discouraged because you didn't get all the parts. I said, oftentimes do not get discouraged, hallelujah, if what was spoken to you did not address everything. Oh God, is this too deep? Because uh, okay, sometimes you need another word. Are uh, you hearing what I'm saying? Notice, notice, watch this. Uh, there was a noise, there was a shaking, and there was a coming together. But then he said, watch this, that addressed a lot, but that didn't address the breath. God, help me in here. I said there was a noise, there was a rattling, amen, and then there was a coming together. But he said, I'm going to put breath in you. That part didn't address all of it. It addressed some of it. So he said, prophesy again and speak to the wind. Because now we're going to deal with the breath. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So sometimes you need more than one word. Now let me read the rest of it and I'm going to come back to verse 8 because the process is in verse 8. Show me verse 10. Oh, let me read the rest of this. I'm sorry. Then he said said unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. Ooh, that's powerful. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood up upon their feet an exceeding great army. Now let me show you something in verse 11 that I thought was pretty cool. Then he said unto me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. So watch this. He's been prophesying and he doesn't even have the interpretation. God, help me in here. I said, He's been going at it as the Lord has commanded him and does not even have the full revelation. He's just being obedient. And because he is, God's going to give it to him. Help me in here. Watch this. These bones. Can I teach a little bit? Hallelujah. Don't make me preach. These bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dry and our hope is lost. We are cut off from our parts. Show me verse 12. I got to get back to verse 8. Therefore, prophesy. And if you read the rest of it, he tells them to prophesy again. He tells them to prophesy again. He tells them to prophesy again. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, go to verse 8 one more time. Let me show you the process. I said prophecy means process. Let me show you the process. Are you here, church? Put my next point on the screen and then we'll go back to the text. Because I want them to write it down. Time is not on my side. Here's the process right here, just so you know it. Hallelujah. Number one is revelation. Number two is transformation. Number three is manifestation. Number one is revelation. Revelation. You read the text with me? First, there was a noise. That's revelation. Stay with me now. Hallelujah. Then there was a rattling or a shaking. That's transformation. And then, hallelujah, the bones came together. That's manifestation. Are you with me so far in this place? That is the process. First, there's a noise. That's revelation. The word goes forth, and boom, there's a noise. That's revelation. Transformation is the rattling, the bones start shaking. They're not gonna stay the same. They start shifting. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And then they come together finally, and that is manifestation. Hallelujah. And so a lot of us understand this process. There's revelation, then there's manifestation. I mean, then there's transformation, and then there's manifestation. And and we know about revelation, and and we're awaiting the manifestation. It's the transformation part that we have a hard time with sometimes. It's the middle, the middle place, amen? So let me just tell you something about, because I don't have a lot of time to get into all three. Let me tell you something about the transformation. Can I do it? Hallelujah. Watch this. Two things. Go to my next slide real quick. Go to my next slide. Hallelujah. Listen, I was good. I got slides for you today, amen? Two things happen in the transformation that you need to understand, amen? I want to help somebody in here. Number one, the word over your life is tested. You have a word over your life that's prophetic, that speaks to your destiny, that word is going to be tested. God have mercy in here. And the second thing is you have to wage war over the word. I said you have to wage war over the word. Now, let me put some substance under that very quickly for you. Psalm 105 and 19. I got 15 minutes. I'm going to shout. You can do it. (laughs) Psalm 105 and verse 19. 105, 19. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Watch this. Until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. Woo. Okay, okay, this is talking about Joseph. I don't got time to get into the whole psalm, but this is talking about Joseph. Joseph has a dream. He has a word over his life. You know what that word is? You're going to be amazing. People are going to bow down to you. Even your own brothers are going to bow down to you. You're going to be so great. That's a word. Woo, that's a powerful word. Amen. But until the time that that word comes to pass, that word will try him. Watch this why? Try him, why? To see if he will complete the process. Because prophecy is process. It's not just watch this God settle and that God said it and that settles it. There is a human responsibility because watch this that, that word over your life is going to be tested to see if you are willing to complete the process. So let me show you the process of revelation, transformation, and manifestation in Joseph's life. So watch this, revelation is the dream. He got a dream, a word over his life, amen? The transformation, watch this now, we said a moment ago is the shaking and the rattling. For Joseph is the prison and the pit. See, prison and the pit, yeah, that's where transformation takes place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You, you don't get transformed and not go through nothing. Even when the butterfly goes through a metamorphosis, it goes through a struggle. I said it goes through a struggle. Have I ever? I, told, I believe I told you the story of a doctor who was watching the butterfly in its metamorphosis while it was struggling. And he thought to himself, you know what? Let me take a scalpel. And let me just help the little critter out by slitting the cocoon and letting him out so that he doesn't have to struggle anymore. Amen. And to his surprise, he came out. He looks beautiful. But all of a sudden, he notices he won't take off. The butterfly won't fly. You want to know why it won't fly? Because the struggle was necessary to push the nutrients from the body to the wings. So that it can fly. See, we want to get out easy. But if you get out easy, you won't soar. Are you in this place, church? So watch this. The, the, the revelation is the dream. The transformation is the pit, the prison. This is the word being tested in Joseph's life to see if he will go through the process, church. And then the manifestation is he's in the palace. And he is now the prince of Egypt are you blessed in here church? Can I can I show it to you real quick in the life of Peter? Here's the revelation on Peter's life. You're gonna be the rock I'm changing your name and your name is gonna be Rock. Amen. That is the revelation now. watch the transformation? We said it has to be the rattling and the shaking for Peter is cutting off ears It's denying Jesus On three different occasions See, you, you, you only view that as negative, but God views it as growing. No, you don't hear me. He, he is becoming the rock through the rattling. God, help me in here. Hallelujah. Are you blessed in here, church? God, help me. And watch this. The manifestation is when he gets up on the day of Pentecost, preaches, and 3,000 people come to Jesus. Are you following what I'm saying in this place, church? If you're blessed in here, shout glory. So watch this. Let me say this, hallelujah, and this is important. Prophecy is not much about what you are going to do, but what God is calling you to become. Listen, listen, listen. Prophecy is not much about what you're going to do, watch this, but what God is calling you to become. You see these men? They are becoming, not just doing. Hear me in here, hallelujah. Becoming is more powerful than doing. Oh boy. Show me John 1 and 12. John 1 and 12. I'm running out of time. John 1 and 12. Hallelujah. This any good? Watch this. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to not do to become the son. Sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Amen, somebody. So listen, you are not just a human doing, you are a human being. Oh, somebody's going to get it in the parking lot. Somebody's going to get it in the parking lot. You're not just a human doing, you are a human being. Uh, Are you blessed in here, church? Y'all making me want to sit down. Hallelujah. Watch this. Glory to God. Let me me talk to you about categories for the prophetic. Categories. Can we teach? Categories. Put my next slide up there. Categories for the prophetic. Amen. You want to write these down. Hallelujah. Watch this. A new word. Relax, scholars. I'm going to break it down. A new word, a confirming word, a now word, and a future word. These are categories for the prophetic. When you receive a prophetic word, they're going to fall up under one of these categories. Amen? A new word, a confirming word, a now word, and a future word. A new word. A new word is when God gives you something your eyes have not seen, nor your ears have heard. What the Bible says, neither has entered the heart of man. Something you haven't even Thought about? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Watch this. Eyes have not seen nor ears have heard the things that I have prepared for things that I have prepared. It's prepared. You just haven't seen it yet. Oh. The things that I have prepared for them that love me. But I'm going to show you by my spirit saith the Lord. Uh, in Isaiah, he said, behold, I do a new thing. How many of you know God can do it? Watch this, it's not, watch, this is deeper than God just activating something that's already in you. This is God actually depositing something in you that he will activate. So watch this, I know, I know that we, we come from a frame of thinking that says that a prophet is only going to confirm something God has already told me. But if all a prophet is limited to doing is confirm what God has already told you, then you don't really need the prophet. God have mercy in here. So I will submit to you that a prophet can be used of God to give you something you never heard. But then after that new word, you're going to need two. (laughs) Which is a confirming word. Because if God ever ever gave you something that you never heard, you should not move on it. Until you get number two. Which is a confirming word that God will establish in the presence of two or three witnesses. And sometimes you got to hear it at least three times because it's so radical and crazy before you move on it. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. And so that's a confirming word. Listen, the, the new word is a deposit. The confirming word comes to activate what has been deposited. God, help me in here. I'm trying to teach. I'm trying to make it as plain as Jane. Come on, somebody. Watch this. And then there is a now word. A now word. We like those. A now word, but can I submit to you that now doesn't mean today in Scripture. When you see now, okay, behold, I do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Now there means in this season. In this time. In this window of opportunity. It shall come to pass. Amen? Which leads to the next one, which is a future word which you can get now, but will not manifest till much later. I wish I had anybody in here who knows what I'm talking about. I wonder if I got anybody who can testify. I had a word spoken over me 10 years ago that I'm seeing the fruit of it now. That was a word you received then for the future. Are you in this place, church? Categories. For the prophetic. Do you got it? Hallelujah. All right, with the five minutes I got left, let me see what I can do. Watch this. I want to submit to you, hallelujah. You know me, I'm a five-fold ministry guy. I'm a five-fold ministry guy, hallelujah. I'm about all five. I ain't about three. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Bible said five. That's New Testament, by the way. Amen. The, 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 the apostle, I always use my hand. I, I think I've done this before, but it's the best illustration I know. Amen? My hand has five fingers. Let your hand remind you of the fivefold ministry. The the thumb is the apostle. Even the hierarchy and the order is important. The thumb, watch this, is the gripper. Without your thumb, you can't grip nothing. That's the apostle. That is a governing authority. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's a governing anointing. It's an overseeing anointing. Amen? An apostolic anointing. That's the thumb, the gripper. The, the, The prophetic or the prophet Is the pointer. The pointer finger. Why? Because that's the one that's always pointing to your destiny. Always pointing toward the future. The middle finger is the evangelist. Because it is the one with the furthest reach. And then the ring finger. Watch this now. Is the pastor or the shepherd. Because he's married to the church. And the pinky is the smallest one, watch this, it is the teacher, because it is the only one that gets in your ear. Are you blessed in here? Watch this, I want to submit to you, we're dealing with the prophetic, watch this. So let me just say this, a prophet is like a satellite. I say he's like a satellite. Because whatever whatever God is thinking, whatever God is doing, whatever God is going to do, watch this, before he does it, A prophet on the earth knows about it. Show me Amos 3 and 7. Amos 3 and 7. I'm trying to go. Amos 3 and 7. You guys doing all right? Surely the Lord God will do nothing. Except he revealed it or reveals his secret unto his servants, the prophets. Amen? Here's the thing that concerns me. Amen. Uh, The thing that concerns me is that you have people proclaiming that they have a prophetic gift, but are not very biblical. Or, watch this, trying to demonstrate that they have a prophetic gift and can't defend it biblically. In other words, they can't put no academia behind that office. And that's part of the reason that many people shy away from it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because nobody's putting any real structure to it from a biblical perspective. Are you in this place, church? But I'm going to try to do it in two minutes. Hallelujah. In other words, you have to learn how to defend it before you can demonstrate it. I said, you should learn how to defend it before you demonstrate it. Because here's the reality. The thing that's up under attack the most is the future. Put my next slide up there. I'm almost done. I think I only have two left. The prophetic is needed because the thing most under attack is the future. The devil is after me. The devil is attacking me. He ain't attacking you. He's attacking the call on your life. He's, oh my God, he's attacking what's in you. He's attacking your future. He wants to attack it so that it never comes into fruition. It's bigger than you. It's about what you're supposed to do. God, help me in here. It's about your assignment. Hallelujah. I'll leave you alone as long as you stop walking towards that assignment. God, help me in here. I'm not so concerned about you. I'm concerned about you going after God's assignment for your life. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. And so he watched this. Since the thing that's the most attacked today is the future, watch this, hallelujah. What we have failed to realize is that God made the church stewards over the future. Amen. I got one hand clap, hallelujah, right there. Wow, let me sit down again. Listen, God has made the church steward over the future. Listen, the church is supposed to be helping the world. Figure out, God help me in here, what's going on? Uh, Shape, hallelujah, the direction that we are supposed to go as a people. Come on, somebody. But when the church starts stoning the prophets, like the old religious people did, then we partner with Satan and work with the spirit of Jezebel. and continue to slay the prophets. Well, Oh, God, help me in here. I wish I had time. I wish I had time. Matthew 23, 37, and I'm going to have to close. Yeah. Matthew 23, Matthew 23 and 37. Watch this. This is Jesus talking, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stoneth them which are sent unto thee. I send them to you and you kill them. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. I keep sending voices, and you keep stoning the voices. And you stone them then, and the church is still stoning them today. And then we wonder why we don't know where we're going. And so what you have to understand, if, if, if the prophetic voice is always speaking towards the destiny of the church or the future, hallelujah, watch this, when we drop the prophets, we drop the future. And when we drop the future, Satan picks it up. And he picks it up, watch this, with his little soothsayers, he picks it up with his own psychics. he picks it up with his tarot card readers, his warlocks and witch doctors, and give you an alternate future. That will lead to destruction. And the thing with people is that so naive and so concerned with wanting to know about tomorrow that they'll go there for information because the church is not impressive anymore. Come on. Because we don't know where we're going. And so, watch this if I was Satan, I would kill the prophets too so that I can trap. The church in today I'm preaching better than you saying, Amen. Hallelujah. Are you blessed in here? If that is not enough, can I have two more minutes? If that is not enough, I was gonna take them anyway. If that if that is not enough, if that is not enough, apart from all that witchcraft and stuff, we've created governmental systems. And, and technology to, to help create or shape a future that we want to see. And, and God is saying, is not their responsibility. It's the church's responsibility. God help me in here. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place, church? The strength of mobility is vision. He's called a seer because he sees. We need that in our lives. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, we like the idea of hearing about, I'm trying to go fast. I'm just looking over my notes real quick. We like the idea of hearing about the fastest growing church. We like the idea of anything growing fast. Amen. But but we don't like to talk about uh, cancer and how fast that thing grows. I guess the reason I'm saying that is to let somebody in this place understand that while speed is important, it isn't nearly as important as guidance or direction. Because something can be moving fast, but it has, to be, it has to know where it's moving. God, help me in here. Hallelujah. You could be moving fast and moving fast towards destruction without guidance. And so if we develop systems that move fast without any guidance, they are going to crash. Let me wrap it up. Hallelujah! Watch this. It's a, you're not gonna jump in the car with somebody who's blind driving. I'm gonna drive real fast. Yeah, you're gonna drive real fast, but you don't know where you're going. We are going. <laughs> we are going to crash. You cannot talk to me about the pu- about the future and tell me you're anti-prophetic. I said, you cannot talk to me about the future and tell me you're anti-prophetic. All right, because the reality is that if you are deaf, blind, and mute, you can't help me. It's the blind leading the blind. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. And this is important because there's nothing more than God is committed to than your future. I said, there's nothing more that God is committed to than your future and there's nothing more than people are more afraid of than an uncertain future ain't nobody say nothing right there and the enemy knows that and so what he does is that he messes up your today I said he messes up your today understand that the only thing that's powerful enough to break the effects of your yesterday is a word for tomorrow I said, it's a word, but thank you, thank you. All the way back there in that corner, I hear that hand clap. Amen? You can't just focus on where you've been, and you can't just focus on where you are. Oftentimes, I say, we preach the whole counsel of God here, hallelujah, but notice, I probably preach about destiny more than I preach about sin, and I preach about both, but if all I tell you is what you're doing wrong, where you've been, and why you're stuck, but never give you a word. God, help me hear about what you're supposed to be, who you shall be, and who God, God help me, is calling you to be. You're not going to be released from your past. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because you need a glimpse of destiny in order to be released from your history. And so I'll focus on your destiny because if you ever get a glimpse, if you ever got a glimpse of your future, the chains will fall off. If all I do is tell you, stop doing that, stop doing that, stop doing that, I'm going to keep you trapped. Try to make you do it on willpower. That don't work. You need a vision. Without a vision, the people stand to your feet in here. Hallelujah. I wish I had time. If you muzzle the prophetic, you harass the future. Are you in this place, church? You conceal it. So tomorrow is uncertain. You can seal it, so tomorrow is... A, put my last point up there, and we're going home. I think I have one more. When you have a prophetic word about where you are going, you sleep through storms. I wanted to end on a high note. Hallelujah. I said, when you have a prophetic word about where you're going, you sleep through storms. Isaiah 46 lets us know, hallelujah, that he declares the end from the beginning. Place something for me back there. He declares the end from the beginning. So watch this. Whenever anything starts, he has the end in mind. This is why he, he can say with certainty, if I started it, I'm going to finish it. He who has begun a good work in you shall complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Because if it started, it's because I finished it watch this and so whatever it is if it's if it's a business he has the end in mind. If it's a ministry he has the end in mind. If it's a church that's starting he has the end in mind. If it's a marriage he has the end in mind and if he's talking about the end from the beginning the purpose is to push you on to progress. Are you in this place? Jesus, and I close with that point. Jesus tells his disciples, get in the boat and let's go to the other side. That was the word of the Lord. Get in the boat and let's go where? To the other side. But somewhere in the middle, this is where it, this is where some of us are at right now. Somewhere in the middle a storm comes and the storm is so bad it's battering the boat. It's so bad that water is getting in the boat. Have you ever been there? Where the stuff wasn't just surrounding your house but it was in your house. And so the water for their life in the boat and the disciples because They don't have the end in mind. And whenever you don't have a glimpse of where you're going, you will be susceptible to fear. But when you are a people who know where you're going, you'll do what Jesus did. They run downstairs and Jesus is knocked out. Jesus is sleeping because Jesus knows where he's going. Jesus knows that when they get to the other side, there's a Garadine man, hallelujah, full with demons that's about to get free. And he knows that hell is trying to stop that from happening. Jesus knows that he came to die, hallelujah, but this ain't it. (laughs) And so Jesus goes to sleep. And the storm is raging. And Jesus is sleeping. Because when you know where you're going, you can sleep through storms. God, have mercy in this place. Jesus told them from the beginning, we're going to the other side. What part of that didn't you get? If I said we're going to the other side, we are going all the way to the destination and when trouble comes to try to stop you don't let fear set in and hinder your progress I got a word for somebody in here God says sleep through it sleep through it because there's a word over your life. There's a word over your life. My God, I can sleep through any storm because there's a word over my life. Peter watches James get killed by King Herod and the the king tells him tomorrow it's your turn. Come tomorrow morning, you're going to die, Peter, just like James. And Peter goes to sleep why can peter sleep on death row knowing that tomorrow he's going to the chair why because there's a word over his life i said there's a word god help me in here you think it was just the prayers of the saints hallelujah and they were praying but that just that wasn't it that wasn't all of it watch this jesus told peter peter when you are old you're gonna be stretched far and wide he told him how he was gonna die so Peter had a picture of the end and when he was in that situation he said this is ugly but I ain't old yet he said when I'm old he said when I'm old hallelujah and I ain't old yet, and this, is this ain't how it's going to happen. So I don't know what God's going to do, but he's got to do something. Because there's a word over my life. And so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to sleep. Hallelujah. I'm going to sleep through it. Look at somebody next to me like, I'm going to sleep through it. Look at somebody else like, you better sleep through it. Are you blessed in here, church? Give God praise. Give God praise. We got to go.